Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh man, what a crosstalk with Jeff and Jordan. Now it's time for the award-winning midday with Trey and BK. Talking Mexican food, talking fast food, dunking on San Antonio. You really never know what you're going to get when you tune into Texas Sports Unfiltered. Trey. We need to clear something up here because Coach 420 is extra feisty today. No, we don't all eat at Matt's El Rancho. Matt's El Rancho is fine. It's Tex-Mex. It is far from the best representation of even Tex-Mex, much less authentic Mexican food in this city. Yeah, I've been to Matt's. It's an institution. It's been there forever. It doesn't mean that it's the best necessarily. I've been to Matt's twice in the last month. I would say before that, I had been to Matt's once in the previous five years. Uh, and I'll go on record and say the food is not very good there. Like I, I go with large groups of friends because the atmosphere is awesome and the right. drinks are top notch. Uh, Bob it, Armstrong it, dick is it, dick, dick. Whoa, strong dip. <laughs> Good thing it's unfiltered, baby. The uh, Bob Armstrong dip is okay, but it stops there. The Bob Armstrong dick. What experience have you had there? Is there is that a waiter's name? Was that the owner's name? Did the there's, original there's... Bob Armstrong, whoever the dip is named after, did he show up and give you a taste of his own sauce? I mean, what what was going on there? There's a secret menu that you can only peek at through the hole in the far bathroom stall in the men's room. Check it out <laughs> the next time you're there. Uh, Jerry Jones is awfully fond of that menu, huh? Yep. The glory hole one? That's right. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I uh, Not a huge Matt's guy. The wait is so long, too. I can't stand places that don't take reservations. Like, take reservations. I get why they don't, and it works in their favor because they've got that giant bar. People will stand there and buy drinks and just wait an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, until their meal is ready. But if I'm ever the one planning a meal, I will never plan a meal for a large group of people at a place that does not take a reservation. It's just silly. You and I are in agreement on this. We both hate lines. I cannot stand waiting in literal or figurative lines for food. And that, that's that been a problem at Matt's El Rancho for a long time. Like going back to when I was in school at UT in the late 90s and early 2000s, that was an issue. And I'm assuming that it's only remained one all these years later. Hey, don't dunk on Matt's too much, though, listeners and viewers, because that's been used as a recruiting tool for Texas a lot in the Steve Sarkeesian era and it's worked a lot in the Steve Sarkeesian era. So 
These That's simple a- high school kids don't know any better. But hey, <laughs> let's, let's use it as a tool. I would suggest maybe going to Vince Young's Steakhouse, but yeah, Matt's El Rancho look, works fine for that. Well, they, they get to see VY on campus as a part of the recruiting trip. They don't need him to be cooking up steaks for uh, them to see him. So he is still cooking up steaks there. Don't get it twisted. He doesn't show his face that often, but he's back there. Is that part of that? Uh, UT ambassador deal that he actually has to go cook steaks at his restaurant every couple of nights. Oh man, that might be the first time he actually does the responsibilities of that job. If uh, if it is, I <laughs> would object if I disagreed with that previous statement. <laughs> oh man, Trey, I, I hope I know you were at a comedy show last night. I want to ask you about that in a moment, but I sure as hell hope you went back and rewatched the Texas basketball game because. That was a top 10 night as a Texas basketball fan in my life. Is that the biggest win that they've ever had? No, of course not. Is this team going on to make historic or is this team going to go on and do historic things this year? Probably not. This is an average team that's probably going to be a seven, eight, nine seed in the NCAA tournament. And odds are they'll get bounced in the first weekend of the dance when we get there. But because that was the last ever trip Texas made to Lubbock. Because you had Texas Tech students camping out for four days in anticipation of that game. Because Texas Tech brought Ric Flair and Flava Flav to the United Supermarkets arena, uh, arena for that game. Because that was their Super Bowl. And Texas went in there and not only beat them, but beat the ever-loving shit out of them in their house. That, to me, is a top 10 UT Hoops memory in my life. Yeah, I, I accept that logic. Ultimately, it's uh, something that you're saying and your opinion matters, even if somebody disagrees with it. But yeah, I get that. It was very satisfying to watch things play out like they did because that was such a hostile crowd and it obviously turned really ugly with 10 minutes to go in the second half. So I did go back and watch the game when I got done with the comedy show. And when I got home, The comedy show was so good. We can't get to that here in a little bit, but it was so good. And I was on such a cloud nine that I I had completely forgotten about the game. And when I got home, I had a bunch of text messages, including from my guy, Jeff Barker, who joins me on the three to five show Mondays and Fridays. Highly recommend you check it out. Not for me, but because Jeff is fucking brilliant. He's funny. He's got a lot of old man in him, a lot of Larry David isms in him as well. And I think together we do a pretty good show, but he texted me at 920 last night. And I saw it when I got home at like 1030. He's like, I'm done with this hoops team with a laughing emoji. Wish they could prove me right more than once every seven games. So that's actually fairly vague. I couldn't tell if he was laughing because it was so ugly. And the once every seven games, is this the once every seven games or is this the other six times? So I, at that point, I went and looked at the score. I'm like, all right, let's see. Was this another fucking beat now like we were predicting yesterday? And I saw the final score and I'm like, well, shit, this is the opposite. So I went back and watched the game. It's a beautiful thing getting to watch basketball uh, after it's completed. So you can blow through commercial breaks. I mean, you really do get through the game in about an hour. And it was just a great effort all around. Now, I'm not going to say the Max Acemas is no longer in a shooting slump. That's still a bit of a concern going forward. But for them to have curb stomped the Red Raiders like they did with as much as that game meant to that team, but maybe more importantly, the fan base was very, very satisfying.
Oh, man, that's an understatement. And my favorite part of last night, besides all of the rest of the parts of last night, after the Brock Cunningham incident in the second half, you had Texas Tech fans chanting F-U-T. I mean, they were chanting that all night, but it got really loud after Cunningham got tossed. It's so funny to me because that was a bunch of kids who couldn't get into UT chanting F-U-T while the school they did get into was losing to UT by 25 points on their own campus. Like that, that was glorious there. Like Texas Tech fans thinking that they're getting back at us by chanting F-U-T while their team is getting flat out embarrassed in their biggest game of the season against their biggest rival. Like gold, Jerry, absolute gold. And I hate Texas Tech fans. That's well noted, even though a bunch of my best friends went to and a lot of them, not all of them, some of them graduated from Texas Tech. I just can't stand that fan base and that university and that program. So it, it was just, it was glorious, man. It really was to watch that thing go down the way that it did. Obviously would have preferred the sweep, but getting to end your basketball rivalry against Texas Tech in a similar fashion to the way that you ended your football rivalry against Texas Tech. A little bit different. Football game, more of a beatdown. That game was in Austin. But still, to win the final scheduled game against them going away like that, uh, you couldn't ask for much more if you're a Longhorn fan. It was a good send-off for sure. And, yeah, Tech fans are just going to have to eat that one for a while. I don't know with the – with how much the bl- bad blood has escalated over the last couple of years, I don't know how willing Texas folks would be to schedule something regularly with Texas Tech people in any sport at this point. Like, it's like, why would you even put yourself in a position to have to deal with that shit and potentially put your student athletes and coaches in harm's way with as yeah. ugly as things got last night? And by the way, I say that also believing, and this may rub Texas fans the wrong way, that was some fucking bullshit that Brock Cunningham did right before he got tossed. That was such a fucking dirty play, and there's just there, there's no room for that in the sport. That was completely unnecessary what he did. He should have been thrown out of the game, and I talked yesterday, BK, about it seemed like Brock Cunningham had turned a corner and was playing less of a dirty brand of basketball. Well, that's out the fucking window now, so don't be surprised to see him have a hard time on the court because he immediately gets in foul trouble as soon as he steps on out on the court that still doesn't uh entitle tech fans to just throw shit all over the court chant your little chance if you want to uh but uh unfortunately or fortunately i guess if you're a longhorn fan who enjoyed uh watching their misery play out like that it was uh it it caused things to escalate in a way that ultimately didn't matter for the final outcome of the game because texas was kicking texas tech's ass on the court so badly Yeah, it was a cheap shot by Brock Cunningham. And my favorite part of the whole incident is the fact that right after the ref called a foul on him, he looked at the ref and put his hands out like, you're calling a foul on me? He he was getting upset near their bench, too. Like, when he found out he was going to be thrown out of the game, it's like, hey, fucker. Like, what do you think is going to happen when you straight up shoulder check somebody as the ball's going out of bounds with the reputation that you already have in this league, too? Yeah, it was uh, it was cheap. Thankfully, nobody got hurt, and I feel like I can look back and laugh at it because nobody got hurt. If that would have led to Williams getting injured, then okay, you know, it makes it even worse. But um, yeah, bad bit by Cunningham, but hilarious bit by Cunningham because Texas Tech fans hate him, and I kind of love that that's his final send off after 15 years of playing against Tech at UT that he does that on the road, and that's what he's going to be known for. I, I think that is pretty hilarious, but 
Um, because because yeah. the guy wasn't seriously hurt, it it in retrospect, it is going to be an amusing side note to this series, but it's still completely uncalled for. Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. It was uh, it was a cheap shot by Brock Cunningham, and it's not his first. That's probably his worst during his time at Texas, but yeah. he does have that reputation, and that reputation was warranted before last night, and it's even more warranted uh, after last night. But Tech fans also have a reputation of being heathens, and that reputation is more warranted after what happened last night. I mean, I, it, it's happened before. I've seen it happen before, but it's very rare when the head coach – of a team has to get on the in arena PA mic and tell the fans to stop throwing stuff on the courts because the fans just won't stop. And the refs to their credit, I mean, the game got chippy and out of control and the last 10 minutes took 45 minutes because of all of the reviews and all of the foul calls and free throws that we had, but I will give them credit because, you know, them calling administrative techs on Texas tech kind of got them to stop, kind of got their fans to stop throwing stuff on the court. Because McCaslin went on the mic and he's like, hey, they're going to keep calling technical fouls on us. They're going to keep giving them points if you guys keep throwing crap on the floor. So, hey, maybe stop doing that. Uh, for as much flack as I give Big 12 refs, that was actually a good move to to make sure that they were doing that to keep the fans in check. Because that could have gone on for the final 10 minutes of the game if they didn't do something about it. Kevin weighing in on the YouTube comments line. Dang, Trey, trying to listen while I teach class. Kids look up at me crazy after those F-bombs. Well, what grade are you teaching right now, Kevin? And once I learn the answer to that, I can provide you a better answer on how kids need to uh, respect language, including supposed bad words, that there is a proper context to use those words. And I use them in the proper context, kids. Please know that. By the way, how are you teaching class while listening to this show? It seems like seniors in high school, all right, if they're triggered by the F-bombs, those seniors need to uh, to live a little bit. Uh, but thank you for listening while you're teaching class. I think that's uh, impressive and also confusing how those two things can happen at once. I'd argue it's wholly impressive and not confusing at all. These are life lessons, valuable life lessons that uh, your students are getting from us. <laughs> at least I got them off their phones, yeah. yeah. Sad that's reality. It. Yeah, you're welcome, kids. This is uh, this is good stuff. You find this is more entertaining and more informative than anything you're gonna be learning in school, anyways. This is we got you. All right, teachers out there, if you ever want a day off, just get somebody to put Texas Sports Unfiltered on their phone or on the projection screen in the classroom and just play that, and that will count as a day. You don't need to hire a substitute teacher. We'll do it for you. All right, we have somebody from that Lubbock Amarillo area, Rillo 806. Tech fans really showed some class last night. Y'all never fail to make a fool of yourselves. Uh, okay, Rillo 806, let's hear it. How were they showing class last night? I think he was I'm, I'm kidding. Curious. I'm curious. I'm taking the bait, hook, line, and sinker. How did they show class last night? Throwing shit kidding? over the court, constantly chanting, fuck UT. How, how was that classy? No, he's uh, he's kidding, Trey. He's talking to tech fans. They'd never fail to make fools of themselves, isn't he? No. I think he's kidding, but we'll we'll let him respond to that. Texas fans complain the team wasn't tough against U of H. Now you guys are crying about a rough physical play. No one was hurt and Brock was ejected play on. Yeah. Nobody it was, was a cheap hurt. shot. Nobody he got was. ejected because it was a cheap shot. What do you mean? Nobody was hurt because thankfully he went to a spot where he was able to catch himself. Just matter. Just imagine if he had done that and he had crashed that guy straight into people sitting courtside. 
that would have yeah. been a giant fucking disaster, and he probably would have been suspended for several games too, which he may still get suspended for a game before yeah. it's all said and done. That was a dirty play. Yeah. I'm sorry if your justification is, well, nobody was hurt, so it couldn't have been that dirty of a play. It was a dirty play where he was fortunate that something worse didn't happen there. I don't think there's ever been a flagrant two that has not been a dirty play. Like that's that's in the rule. It was it was dirty, but thankfully everyone's okay. I do wonder if Brock Cunningham does get some sort of punishment from the league office after that. But hey, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. That that to me was a cherry on top of that game last night. All right. Well, your sarcasm meter is better than mine is BK because he said he was being sarcastic. Yes, he was kidding. It's hard to tell that in text at times. So I'm glad you were k- kidding about that, Rillo, because Tech fans were trash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, back to the game itself. I mean, you're right. You brought up Max Aismas and Dylan DeSue. Not Aismas' best shooting performance of the season by any stretch, but his best performance in the last two weeks. Uh, he had been held to single digits in his previous three games. He got to 18 last night. And that was the difference. Like we talked about, Texas's best players no-showing at Houston and at Kansas – I mean, DeSue and Aismas had five points at halftime combined, not each, five combined points at halftime against KU on Saturday. They had 23 at halftime last night. Trey, Texas Tech had 23 as a team at halftime last night. Texas's two best players had that. Obviously, Texas was up 24 at the break. So to win on the road, look, I know Tech's not as good as Kansas. They're not as good as Houston. But to win on the road in this league in a hostile environment, your best players have to be your best players. And obviously it wasn't just those two. Kendall Weaver was sensational. Caden Shedrick only played eight minutes, but he made an impact, especially early in the game, giving Texas that early lead. Those guys were great as well. But just to see, uh, yeah, Texas's stars look like stars. They can play like that, and this team actually has a chance to, to do something and maybe prove Jeff Barker right more than just once out of every seven games. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath on that. No. That hurts people's feelings, but this has been an erratic basketball team all year long. So uh, Tech had been struggling a little bit heading into this game. I I thought that the home court advantage would still help to elevate them. That didn't happen. Credit to Texas. I'm glad that that I was proven wrong for at least a night that they were able to get their shit together and really play. uh, I wouldn't even call it an A-plus game. We'll call it an A game just because Ace Miss, his shot wasn't totally on, but uh, everybody played their part. Dylan DeSue was Dylan DeSue. He's an all-conference performer. Uh, Ace Miss uh, fought through a bad shooting night, hit some deep shots, was able to make his free throws as well. Kendall Weaver provided some extra punch in a bunch of different areas, including scoring some points. Uh, Tyrese Hunter just kind of is what he is right now. But we even got a little bit from uh, from Shedrick last night too. He was uh, finding open space and then – uh, getting some some easy buckets as a result and, and playing some pretty solid defense and rebounding the basketball. And then uh, Dylan Mitchell, obviously a part of that equation as well. Even Brock Cunningham, before he got kicked out of the game, I think he hit at least one three and uh, had some other nice moments where he was helping to facilitate offense or play solid defense on the other end. Hey, this team is one win away from making the NCAA tournament. Now you'd like for them to win more than one of their last three games, and they're going to be favored in two of their last three games. But um, yeah, look. Uh, Texas Tech not playing its best basketball right now. That's still a road quadrant one win for Texas. That's huge in the eyes of the committee. We'll see what the uh, latest round of bracketologies look like, but I don't think Texas is going to be out on Jerry Palm's next bracketology. That was dumb that they were in the first place. I don't think Texas will be in the last four in or last four by category on any of uh, the bracketologist prognostications right now. 
I think uh, they're in a good spot. Now, they could F it up. They end the year on a three-game losing streak. Then all of a sudden, you're relying on uh, some Big 12 tournament magic in Kansas City to get in. But if Texas wins one, I think they're in. If Texas wins two of these final games, I, I know they're in. I know they're in. There's no thinking. Now you're just wondering, okay, what's our seed and who are we going to play? Uh, but, man, you, the old cliche, Trey, you want to be playing your best basketball going into March. Now one game doesn't change what has happened for Texas in recent weeks, but that was Texas's last game before the calendar turns to March. The hope is that that can be some sort of spark that this team can use in these last three regular season games to uh, to get some momentum going into the postseason. If so, that'd be a lot of fun. They have been inconsistent, though, so I think every Texas fan is a little bit reserved and just assuming that all of a sudden this team is going to play like that every single night. I'm not going to take any of these remaining games for granted because yeah. Oklahoma State looks like an easy win this weekend. Well, guess what? They lost to UCF at home uh, about a month ago, and yeah, things got a little bit better after that, but uh, this is a team that has a tendency to play up and down to competition at times. So the game next Monday at Baylor is going to be a tough one. I'm expecting that to be a loss, but they should be able to win these final two home games against Oklahoma State and then also a Sooners team that they already beat in Norman earlier this year. Agreed, 100%. So huge win for Texas. That was fun in Lubbock last night. Make sure you're talking trash to your Tech fans today because uh, you you – Won their Super Bowl. You went into their house and embarrassed them in their biggest game of the year. It's beautiful. Rex St. Charles says, Grayson Allen played dirty. Brock is not Grayson Allen in many ways. I completely disagree with that, Rex. I think Brock Cunningham is very much like Grayson Allen with how he plays the game. It has been far too dirty at times, and he has established a reputation in this conference, and it seemed like he had started to turn the corner as we get to the end of his sixth year playing college basketball, but unfortunately... He went, uh, let's say, Rodney Terry, Tom Herman, Mac Brown, and resetting the whole how many <laughs> days since you've uh, complained about the horns down bit. Brock Cunningham has reset that with how long since Brock Cunningham has done something really dirty on the court. He's not Grayson Allen. Now, I wish he was Grayson Allen in terms of his ability because Grayson Allen was a lot better than Brock Cunningham, but yeah. Brock Cunningham's not going around kicking dudes in the nuts or tripping people. So He's is he dirty at times? Yes, but does, is he doing what Grayson Allen was doing? No, dude, he has pulled some dirty shit like that. He has. People he, just have short, short memories with that. I've watched it. He he's kicked dudes in the nuts. Allen did, but he has pulled some dirty shit in his six years at Texas. Well, those are two different things. There's levels to dirty. I'm not saying he's not dirty. I've said it three times today. He's been dirty. He hasn't done what Grayson Allen was doing at Duke. That's he, next he, level. He pulled the, the tripping shit. I don't know about fully stomping on people, but it wouldn't be surprising to – uh, uh, go back and watch the Brock Cunningham tape to see that sort of thing happen. He has been pulling that shit for six fucking years now. I was calling it out his freshman and sophomore years, and I will continue to call it out until he is no longer playing at uh, Texas. I, I hope he finds a way to turn that corner once again, but unfortunately, he's probably going to re be rendered pretty useless by officials who are going to be on the lookout for him pulling more dirty shit going forward. Yeah, there's uh all right, we'll move on from that. I, I disagree with you. I think there's a difference between calling out and making up because I think you're making stuff up with the tripping and the nut kicks. But I don't have to make stuff up. He trips, he steps under guys, he does a lot of dirty shit on the court. Some of it is little things that are yeah. noticeable, but some of it is more glaring. I mean, there is a reason why he's established this reputation now. He he will lock arms at times and it essentially flagrantly try to hurt dudes like what happened last night. Like you may call that a basketball play, the, the general, you hey. not UBK. Uh, but that, that was a dirty play there. There have been 
a surprising number of examples like that over the years in his uh, UT career. He was just teaching Texas Tech football players how to tackle because they couldn't tackle anybody when they played UT in football. So it was just a lesson on that. No, Coach 420, I can actually spot it because that's the type of player I was as a basketball player. Oh, there it is. Once again, Coach 420, you always run your mouth and usually you're fucking wrong about things and you're wrong once again, Coach 420. Oh, God. All right. Keep the text coming. Go to text line 512-222-9328. This is hilarious because you have the ability to send pictures on the code of text line. Uh, This is a live look at Kevin's classroom right now they still have these uh tv stands the tv carts that they roll into the rooms did they have those when you were in school that's oh yeah surprising if so oh yeah definitely Uh. elementary school all the way through high school now high school we'd gotten to the projector bit so there were more of those overhead projectors hanging down from the ceilings but the tv cart was still in some of the classrooms absolutely good job Good text there. Were y'all, right. using, y'all were hopefully using DVDs at least and not having to pop VHS tapes in to watch something. Um, Early on in school, we were on the VHS train. Wow. But, Talking about early 2000s here. Yeah. I thought, the, uh, I thought the Richardson Independent School District had a little bit more dough than that. Maybe not. No, no. I grew up in far north Dallas, all right? The mean streets of far north Dallas, so... It's a little tougher on my side of the tracks. My school had a Dallas address. The schools in Richardson might have had that nice shit, but we didn't. All right. Came out the mud. Don't forget it. Okay. Before we get to Texas football, because we've got uh, some SEC championship odds for 2024, let's give some love to some of our great sponsors. Unless you have something, Trey, you look like you wanted to say something. No. Okay. My bad. All right. We'll start with uh, audio visual consultations. A word from our buddy, Tom McKay. This is Tom McKay, owner of audio visual consultations. And we'd like to take a moment to thank all of our clients for making the last 25 years, both fun and fruitful. For those of you who have not experienced our services yet, we'd like to invite you to give us a try for all of your home electronics needs. We take care of everything from surround sound home theaters and distributed audio to computer networks, home surveillance systems, to a new television in the living room or bedroom. And we come to you. There's no need to leave your home to find great pricing and incomparable service. No traffic, inexperienced sales geeks, or pushy showroom tactics. Just give us a call and we'll visit you at your home or business to take a look at what you really need. Just relax, hug your kids, and smile. We make your electronics and life simpler to manage. So give us a call and discover what over 7,000 families and businesses already have. Audiovisual consultations is the easiest, most complete way to enjoy today's electronics. Call us at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678 or online at avconsultations.com. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Much love to AV Consultations. Trey, if you would, how about a word for our great friends over at Big Hat Spirits? Yes, sir. BigHatSpirits.com. That is the website. You can go there and find out a bunch of different information. Big Hat Spirits was inspired by legends. There is a legend on each can. Again, go to BigHatSpirits.com to see all the different legends. It includes people like Daryl K. Royal, Shiny Ribs, Django Walker, plenty of others. I love Big Hat cocktails in a can, not because of the first to come up with the cocktail in a can idea, but because they do it the best. 
a bunch of great flavors, ranch water, jalapeno ranch water, the margarita, prickly pear paloma, that blackberry smoke, the Texas mule, even have that margarita mocktail for you, those of you who want the taste without the alcohol, and it's all low in BS, no syrups, no gluten, non-GMO, BPA-free, 100% natural, real spirits, no added sugars to go along with real alcohol and real kombucha as well. Also go to BigHatSpirits.com to find that map of Central Texas just beyond the top of the website. There's a bunch of Big Hat icons all over that map of Central Texas. Click on the icon closest to you to find the store that sells those Big Hat cocktails in a can, BigHatSpirits.com. Absolutely, and a quick shout-out to Covert Bee Cave. Love our friends out at Covert Bee Cave, the best automotive dealership here in Central Texas. Of course, the Covert Auto Group, they've been around since 1909. Covert Bee Cave, their newest dealership right there off of 71. They've got three state-of-the-art dealerships in one featuring seven different brands. So if you or somebody you know is in the market for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, you got to send them out to Covert Bee Cave. Shout out to Dan and Stacy and Mike and Jerome and the whole squad out there. Fantastic people. They treat us like family. They're going to treat you like family every single time you go see them. You can uh, check out some of their weekly specials online right now at CovertBeeCave.com. More importantly, go out and see them once again right there off of 71. It is Covert Bee Cave. All right, Trey, you care to uh, take a look at some 2024 SEC championship odds for football? Let's go. All right. By the way, Texas baseball, 15 to 4. Nice win over St. John's last night. The schedule is about to get a lot tougher for Texas baseball, but 7 and 1 through their first eight. We will take it. Now we got the screen share rolling. We've got odds to win the SEC championship this coming football season. No surprise who's at the top. It's Georgia at two to one, but right behind, I mean, right behind the Georgia Bulldogs, the University of Texas at five to two. So Georgia's two to one, that's plus 200. Texas at five to two, that's plus 250. You've got Ole Miss, Alabama, and Tennessee rounding out the top five. Trey, just looking at Texas in a vacuum before I get your thoughts on some of the value picks and some of the other teams. Does this feel right? Do you think Texas should be this close to the top in terms of odds to win the Southeastern Conference in their first year? I think so. Makes me nervous to say that out loud because these things have a way of jinxing themselves. Well, this Texas program hasn't been run very well for far too long, but it does seem like Steve Sarkeesian really does have it going in a good direction. And the schedule's not easy necessarily, but it is manageable. I mean, you get Georgia the week after Texas OU, but that is a home game. And uh, they also have, I won't call them easy games on the schedule necessarily because you do travel to Fayetteville and College Station, but uh, both those programs are toiling right now. Mike Elko might be the guy for AM, but this is year one for him. So how long is it going to take him to really get things turned around, especially considering the exodus from that roster from uh, last season's program? And this could be Sam Pittman's last year uh, with the Arkansas Razorbacks. So, yeah, I think that uh, people should be buying on Texas because this roster, these coaches have given people confidence, not just within the Longhorn fan base, but also nat- uh, nationally, too. Uh, people understand that Steve Sarkeesian has maybe done as good a job as anybody in managing the roster over these last couple of off seasons to really minimize the impact of 
some of the star players leaving this team, the Bijan Robinsons, the Roshan Johnsons, the Marvion Overshones, the slew of wide receivers who are no longer going to be back this next season. JT Sanders, obviously a couple of big time uh, NFL draft prospects with Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. It does still seem like Texas is in position right now to win the SEC their very first year in the conference. And you brought up Texas's schedule. I mean, they get to play the bottom four teams on this list, right? Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Florida are all on the Longhorn schedule. Kentucky's on there too. So it's the four bottom teams, potentially the four worst teams in the league, and five of the bottom six teams in this league this year. So, yeah, from a scheduling standpoint, Obviously, the back-to-back with OU and Georgia, like you talked about, that's difficult. And nothing in the SEC is easy, but it could be a lot worse because a lot of the teams near the top, the Longhorns won't see. A lot of the teams at the bottom, they will see. It's interesting to see Oklahoma in the bottom half of the conference based on these odds. With A&M having better odds, like twice as good of odds, or a little bit better than twice as good of odds, I don't know if... A&M is going to be better than Oklahoma next year, though. Like, if you were to have to choose right now, who ends up with the better record next season? Would you go Sooners or Aggies? And I guess we do have to take that schedule into account as well. And Oklahoma was not done any favors by the SEC, which is maybe where this partially comes into play. Yeah, you hit the nail on the uh, what? You hit the nail on the head there at the end. I think that's the expression. Um, A&M has the easiest schedule of any SEC team. We just said Texas has a fairly easy SEC schedule, all things considered. Trey, AM does not have to play Georgia or Alabama next year. Like, that's hitting the lottery in this yeah. conference. Like, it, it feels like a big deal to only have to play one of them. That feels like a minor win. But uh, they get both of them off the schedule, and their two toughest games, Mizzou and LSU, are both in College Station. So, and Texas, obviously, is in College Station as well. That's probably their toughest game. But, yeah, I think this is totally totally schedule-based. I mean, OU's schedule is as hard as any team in this league, and A&M's is the easiest out of any SEC team. Despite saying that, I still think Oklahoma has a better chance to win the SEC than A&M does. Agreed. That's just, you know, where I feel about the two programs right now, with OU going into year three of Brent Venables coming off of a 10-win season, while the Aggies are going into year one of the head coach we don't know a whole hell of a lot about. And we know how bad they were last year and how much turnover they had on their roster in the offseason. So I'm with you. Like, that was the thing that caught my eye the most, maybe outside of Texas being as close to the top as it was. The fact that, yeah, A&M is 22 to 1 and OU is 50 to 1, considering where those two programs have been in recent years. That was a a big shock. Uh, Let me ask you this if we're talking value picks, maybe OU is your value pick at 50. And when's the last time? I know it's a different conference, but holy shit. OU at 50 to 1 to win a conference? If I ever saw that in the Big 12, I would have bet it immediately because I would have known it was a typo and the casino screwed something up and someone was going to catch it within 30 seconds. Uh, Is OU the value pick? Where do you see value if you're uh, calling your cousin to make a wager on this? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
where where does the value start? I guess would be my question because I'm not as familiar with value picks when it comes to gambling because I very rarely do so. I mean, you get to kind of determine that yourself, but um, I don't know. It's just whatever you think is uh, is too low. If you're looking at one of these teams' odds and you're like, really, I can get that much money for betting on them to win the SEC? That'd be how I would describe it. Am I overthinking this? Is it as simple as Alabama? That's what Bucky said this morning. Like Missouri, maybe? I don't have faith in Brian Kelly winning an SEC championship. Is Drinkowitz going to do it this year? Uh, I don't think so. I got more faith in LSU than Mizzou. Yeah. But you know, I don't, you know. LSU is bringing in a new quarterback. A lot of the teams on this list, I mean, Georgia, Texas, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Mizzou are all bringing back their quarterback. Tennessee's got a new QB, but he was the number one QB recruit in the country uh, a few years ago whenever he came out, and he's better than what they got from Joe Milton last year for sure. I haven't even seen the kid, and I can tell you that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, Alabama right there. You talk about OU at 50-1 to feeling absurd. When's the last time you've seen Alabama 9-1? to I mean, they – I couldn't tell you the last time they've been nine to one to win the national championship, Trey, let alone yeah. a conference title. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what their odds were this last season. Last year may have been the exception, but yeah, most years under Nick Saban, their their odds were much better to win a national championship than their current odds to win the conference title next season. Yeah, so I know they lost some, but I think Kalen DeBoer's a hell of a coach. I think every Texas fan should also think Kalen DeBoer's a hell of a coach, and they've got Jalen Milrow back. Alabama is still going to have talent, even though they did lose some guys, some yeah. of them to Texas. They're still always going to be one of the most talented rosters in the sport. So, yeah, that that to me feels like a good one. And I don't know. I'm just programmed to bet on OU to win conference championships. So maybe at 50 to one, I'm going to – that's dumb. No, don't do Wait, that. Waste the time. This this is going to be a pivotal year for, for Venables because that fan base has given him a ton of benefit of the doubt. But if we don't see things really start to go in a positive direction this season, his seat's going to get very hot for 25. Yeah, I could buy that. And the the Vegas over-under for OU this year is 7.5, which is crazy low. But once again, that schedule is what it is. If OU goes 9-3 and or better, then I think the fans are like, all right, no, we're good. Venables is the guy. But if it's 8 or really if it's under that 7.5 win total, then I agree. I think year 4, 2025, is make or break for BV. Otherwise... He could be gone. Yeah, the eight depends on some of those wins and maybe, as importantly, the four losses and how the four losses look. Yeah. Like, this is uh, every year's an eyeball test for any program, but this is a huge eyeball test year for the Sooners because they do have such a difficult schedule. Eight and four could be justified depending on how some of those games look as you're watching them. Sure. New quarterback, new offensive coordinators because they're rocking the co-bit. Uh, yeah, who did they go with as OCs again? They got Seth Luttrell, the former right. UNT coach who has yeah. been on staff. And then what is it? Joe John Finley is the other cat's name. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, Joe John Finley. Um, who was on staff last year. I think that O-line coach played at uh, OU back in the day. Uh, tight ends coach, uh, ball is still their O line coach. That guy's one of the best, if not the best in the business. I'd, I'd kill for that guy to leave. Um, cause then I'd stop worrying about Oklahoma's O line dominating Texas every single year at the cotton bowl. 
Yeah. But, um, yeah, co-OCs, new quarterback, first-year starter, that schedule. Yeah, it's, that's why they're 50-1, to 1, and that's probably why, even though those odds are juicy, it's a little silly and foolish to bet on Oklahoma this year. I tend to agree with you, Coach 420. First-year QB, brand-new O-line, and new OCs. Eight and four seems like the ceiling, but seven and five might be more likely. Yeah, yeah. And Rex coming out. Seven and five, even eyeball test included, that's not going to sit well with Sooner fans. No, bingo. And good question about Connor Wegman at A&M. We don't know. He gets hurt all the time. And uh, Aggie fans obviously hoping he takes a step this year. But quarterback play obviously matters. That's why you see the teams at the top. Once again, Georgia returning quarterback. Texas returning quarterback. Ole Miss, Alabama. Top four teams, odds-wise, to win the SEC this coming season all have their starting quarterback coming back for another season. Rex, that's a hell of a picture. Is that Mardi Gras in St. Charles? Is that what we're looking at here as you're being interviewed by the local news? While wearing an American flag bandana, it's a hell of a look there. I don't know why. I'm doing this as if it's helping me a whole hell of a lot. I'm just I'm getting like six inches closer to my screen here. There's definitely beads. There's definitely the American flag do rag, and there is a microphone in his face that I would assume is a local newscast. Yeah, sweet picture. Yeah, either way. Um, Screenshot from a from a Spurs fan. Screenshot from a Spurs fan. Is that you though? Maybe he was on TV and one of his buddies snapped a picture and sent it to him. Why? Why did he didn't? Say, why did he not say buddy and say Spurs fan instead? Unless he resents the Spurs, which is a total understandable. Not me, guys. What the heck are we doing here? <laughs> Just uh, he says. You're telling me this is not a picture of Coach 420? Holy shit, he looks like a giant capital C. Yeah, that is that is okay. Well, this he is clearly like a giant C. Uh, nice. <laughs> this is clearly Daryl G. So everyone's got their real picture on here. Yeah, we, we know what's going on. Yeah, but that's the that's the stadium. This is like this is false representation here. Like you would think <laughs> that this is Rex from St. Charles. He's wearing the Mardi Gras beads. He's got the do rag on. He's getting yeah. interviewed by the the local news. We got uh. Father, oh, giant F right here. Mm. It could be a big F. Could be interpreted in a few different ways. All right. Uh, before we get to where are we at in society today, quick shout out to Altstadt Beer, the best beer that you could find all throughout the history of the world. I showed the picture earlier. I will show the graphic that our crack staff made for this weekend once again. Uh, hope to see y'all on Saturday at Kelly's Irish Pub. 4 to 6 p.m., a bar tab courtesy of our great friends at the Altstadt Brewery. Come out and join us. Okay, and then Trey, you want to go live today for our great friends over at Pest Wranglers? Happy to do so. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers started back in 2006 with the motto, effective, reliable, affordable. Secondary motto is we value you, the customer. Our guy Steve is a big people person, big relationships guy, so he makes sure to treat his employees great. In turn, they treat you, the customer. 
fantastically. It's why they have so many five-star ratings and reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. And right now is the time to get out in front of mosquito season. It is warming up, even though it's a little bit chillier today, maybe tomorrow too. With the heat comes mosquitoes. It's right around the corner, so you should contact pest wranglers to have them come out and provide an eco-friendly treatment that does not target bees or butterflies and is non-toxic to birds and mammals. That includes your dog sniffing around the backyard. It's effective for up to a month, kills mosquitoes that transmit all sorts of diseases, works against insecticide-resistant mosquitoes, kills adults, prohibits larvae from maturing, is field-validated with a ton of scientific research backing it up. They also offer more of a conventional mistreatment for fast knockdown that lasts for up to three weeks. It's good if you want to get something in place before that backyard party or pool party in that backyard. And with either of those treatments, there are no horrible odors and they're cost-effective, usually no more than 100 bucks per month. And no contracts because they are big believers in that customer service. Go to PestWranglers.com for more info or to get yourself signed up for that service. And as always, Pest Wranglers is a proud sponsor of. Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism. that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. Sadly, today is not that day. BK, we go back to the friendly skies for another unfortunate story involving the airline industry. Headline. Headline. (laughs) Delta flight forced back to Amsterdam after maggots fall onto passenger. Hmm. Wary airline passengers already on guard for unruly passengers and even a real-life snake on plane bits might have one more thing to add to their slate of possible in-flight disruptions. Maggots. Yep, those creepy creatures that thrive on rotting foods and waste have joined the pantheon of things that can cause a flight to have to change course and ruin travel plans in the process. Ah, shit. Where did my story go? I clicked on the wrong thing here. Ah, fuck. (laughs) Now now I've got to go through the whole tabs bit once again. My apologies. All right, we're back now. Uh, A couple Tuesdays ago, Delta Airlines flight departed Amsterdam, bound for Detroit, Michigan. Well, there's the first mistake. But one hour into the flight, the plane had to turn back to Amsterdam's airport after maggots reportedly fell onto a passenger from an overhead bin. The station in Detroit that originally reported on this story interviewed one of the passengers who was a Netherlands native now living in Iowa. What a terrible decision that person made. (laughs) But he saw about a dozen maggots on a woman sitting next to him. Quote, she was freaking out. She was just trying to kind of fight off these maggots. I don't really know what was going through my mind. I was trying to process it. Disgust is one thing, of course. We had to wait there for help to actually come. The flight crew eventually traced the maggots to a passenger's bag, which contained rotted fish wrapped in newspaper. He told the station that the bag was removed, was moved, excuse me, to the back of the plane, and it was announced the plane was going back to Amsterdam. And most of the passengers got on a different flight to the U.S. just a couple hours later. 
the maggots now a possible part of the airline experience this one is not the airplane's fault though this is the passenger's fault who in the world is bringing dead rotting fish on a flight with them i don't care if you're going from austin to dallas but certainly if you're going on an international flight from amsterdam to detroit michigan do you blame the passenger more or do you blame tsa more for somehow not catching that how do they not catch that that's true. A dead Anytime fish? You bring some sort of food or beverage on your carry-on, it always gets caught. How do they let these rotting fish onto the airplane? You're right about that. You are like correct. An, the x-ray scan didn't see that there was a fish, like a full-sized fish in the bag. I don't care if it's living. Well, I guess it probably couldn't be living, but I, I don't care how dead it is. Like You can't bring a fish on the plane. How does that even get through? I mean, yes, on the passenger, don't do that. You're an idiot. What what, what was the goal there, Trey? Like, oh, you you get to make sushi when you get home. You get is that a you're turning that into like uh, one of those singing Billy Bass fish? You know what? I'm gonna have to walk this one back. Reading the last paragraph of this article from CNN Travel, this is partially Delta's fault. They apparently have no prohibitions on bringing aboard perishable food items, including fish as long as there is, quote, no violation of agricultural restrictions for the destination country. So you can actually bring rotted fish on this flight if it doesn't violate the rules of the area that you're going to. So nothing happened to this guy. The, the guy who brought this on the plane didn't get in trouble because he didn't break any rules? Nope. They just had to deplane. Well, they already were in the air, right? This wasn't like, a, oh, they caught this before they had taken off. This plane took off and they had to turn around and make an emergency landing because they caught this. Dude, that makes me want to puke. Thinking about maggots just dropping onto you. Like maggots aren't going to, I don't know, maybe they they pass along diseases. They're not going to hurt you necessarily per se, like in terms of biting or stinging you. But that is still just fucking gross. It's disgusting, dude. That That is absolutely disgusting and probably worth an emergency landing too because – if you see one of those, you haven't seen them all. So that is next to somebody shitting themselves on the flight with the poop coming out of the back of their pants, like in terms of needing to to do something because there is a major emergency on the flight. God, I'm trying to think what's worse. I mean, the combination of maggot with the smell of dead fish is probably worse than just smell of crap. Mm. But if it's just maggot with no smell of fish versus crap, give me the maggots, man. I, I can't deal with it diarrhea smell on an international flight when there's no way to vent it out yeah especially if the person gets up and tries to bolt for the bathroom and they end up just dripping all over the carpet in the aisle between rows that's a bad bit too now when are these stories gonna stop the answer's probably never but it's only, feel like, worse. it's only gonna get worse i was gonna say it feels like we have not had a break in a while and some of the details of the story are getting more and more cringeworthy uh, as we go i mean this all these things feel so easy to avoid like who are these people doing stuff like this and i'd like to <laughs> the gary no rice needed well yeah, done, that's, that's what they were going for i mean seriously is it like a valuable fish what do you do with that fish when you get home you're probably going to realize, oh, shit, this is a rotting fish in my bag. I got to throw this away. Could this have been an accident? <sighs> I don't know how you accidentally pack a dead fish in your 
carry on bag. It was it was in newspapers too. So the guy clearly was trying to hide it or preserve or like uh, contain the smell or something. So it was intentional. Had to be intentional. But what what like what are you thinking there? Dude, I'm reluctant not to put like the fish that I get from the grocery store on ice, just going from grocery store back to my house because I don't want it to start to get fishy or start to rot too much before I have a chance to cook it. This yeah. person just wrapped that motherfucker in newspaper like he was trying to send a message in a mob movie. Dude, that's what my old man and I do when we go fishing. We put that on ice right away, conceal it in a cooler, and that's it. Flash freeze. Yeah, we're not doing it. It's also easier to cut, and it kills them quicker, but... You know, we don't want to deal with the smell or the nastiness that goes into uh, maggots or anything like that. Gross. Good call, Longhorn Bear. Where's the drug-sniffing dog when you need it? Yeah, they would definitely sniff out dead fish. Michael C., this is unrelated, may have a great idea here. All paid members of the channel should be called TSU agents. (laughs) A lot. We've just been calling them TSUs, but uh, if we want to add the word agent to the end of that, that's not a bad idea. And Cooter, our guy behind Pest Wrangler, says, haven't y'all seen grumpy old men? The fish on the plane was someone playing a prank on that dude. Oh, shit. Okay, there's the bit right there. Ah. That guy had a prank played on him because nobody in their right mind is going to try and bring a dead fish aboard a flight. That's what it is. Somebody pulled a prank on that guy, and it went better than it anticipated because the entire flight had to turn around after an hour in the air. How do you, how do you not catch that though? Like where, where would the friend put the fish in the guy's bag? Like the guy's just sitting at the airport waiting to board the flight. Isn't he going to smell it? Isn't somebody going to smell it? Yeah. And how do the maggots end up falling out of the bag onto somebody's lap too? Yeah. <sighs> We're not done with this. I I really want to be done with this, but we got to get to the bottom of this. I don't think we have yet. Thank you, Longhorn Bear. I appreciate your acknowledgement of my reference. Nicely done. I missed that one. It's on me. It's on me. Swim with the fishes. Oh, yeah. I didn't even hear you say that, but I have seen that movie, a rare one that I have seen. We reviewed that movie, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, because we watched Godfather 2 when we were in unison that one was better than two. Yeah, that's probably why I've seen that movie. Because I hadn't seen any movies before we started that bit. So thank you for that one. All right, I see the fellas in the waiting room. It's Chip. It's Zay. Coming up from one to three. Gentlemen, how we doing? How we doing? What up, What's fellas? going out? Hey, hey. Yo, they should have let Sonny Coleon live, man. It's always devastating for me seeing them getting killed at the toll booth. That's, mm. that, that hurts me, man. That, that hurts me every time. All he was doing was trying to go protect his sister from yep. the snake in the family. Freaking snake. I was, I was trying to protect, you know, little sister. That's what Big Bill like, supposed to do. Got is that like what Brock Cunningham was doing last night? Trying to, you know, look out for Max Acemus? Uh-huh. Nope. <laughs> he, he was trying to, trying teach to the- deliver a shoulder check to the tech player running after a loose ball. Ah, it was a basketball play. They both had every right to the ball there. Oh, man. Basketball player who delivered a jackknife elbow to Max Acemus's forehead. Uh, The B-Cave Strangler strikes again, Chip. The what? The B-Cave Strangler, Brock Cunningham. Oh, yeah. 
It's 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 a more effective nickname when he's got that creepy pedo stash, but it still applies whenever he does something dirty on the court. Brock Lane Beer, as they called him last night on social media. Yo, that's a little bit of that for sure. You need guys like that, man. Yeah, Flat man. out dirty, but you need guys like that, especially for a team like this. Hell yeah! Against that team last night, I'm with it. Here's the thing, though. That game was already decided. It's not like he provided a spark. If anything, that oh, inspired no. Texas Tech to maybe cut into the lead a little For bit. Sure. Ultimately, it yeah. didn't he oh, made yeah. sure they were up 25 when he did it. Yeah, right. and he's playing well. He's playing his best basketball of the year. Like, we need you out there, 30. <laughs> like, you're going to get closing minutes. You're playing great basketball. And then, you know, he said, guys, you got this. I've been waiting for this for <laughs> yeah, six said- years. He said, guys, I shouldn't be playing more than 20 minutes on a reputable college basketball roster at this level. I'm at 22 minutes right now, so let me go ahead and make this decision easy for you. Uh, <laughs> trying to get to Chimmy's for a meal or something like that. Who knows? Yo, I don't think he'll ever be able to eat in Lubbock again. Like Whenever he goes on his weird-ass adventures when he leaves town and travels. With K.J. Like- Adams? Yeah, hanging with KJ and stuff. If he goes to Colorado or something, you know how you have to go through Lubbock to go through Colorado. Don't stop, Brock. Don't stop to eat. Don't stop to shit. Hold it. Wait till you get into New Mexico, bro. Like, I I wouldn't even test it like 30 miles out of Lubbock because they're going to be having wanted signs with his face on it at every establishment in Lubbock from here on out. And as he ages, they're just going to refresh the picture. You know what I'm saying? Because that dude, talk about hated. Wow. You're right. He would have to be careful in Amarillo, probably. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I would attest it. Oh, man. All right. Well, we we gave our thoughts on the game. I know y'all have a lot of them on the game in Texas baseball and Texas football, too. So we'll uh, we'll let y'all go, and y'all have a great show. Appreciate it, fellas. Peace.